0: We um, we we continue our series about uh, the ser- Sermon on the Mount. So, going through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to spend uh, quite quite a num- quite a number of times actually taking different parts of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, <coughs> when I introduced it, I just I did feel I did feel that uh, the Lord was saying that He wanted us to have courage about how we. Um, how we think about how we apply, how we attempt to, to follow what what he 's saying in this, um, in this teaching on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, it requires courage when you when you look at it, when you look at the cost, when you look at what 's really being asked, it requires courage and following, following God, follow, taking him at his word requires courage it 's not just a kind of thing that 's going to come. Come on to us, but there's courageous steps that are required to lead a life that um, that is following the teaching of Jesus. We've got what, like, I don't know, 70, 80 years, whatever, to to follow Christ and to be courageous in the way that we follow that, and then then we then we go to glory, and it's it's going to be great. But who wants to who wants to get there one day and be filled with regret. I didn't really, you said this, you said this and I didn't really listen, I didn't really follow, I didn't really take it seriously at the time and now I'm here, I'm in glory, it's great but what are we going to talk about? And this is great, this is great challenge but this great invitation to to take Jesus at his, at his word and lead a life of courageously following him till we're, till we're 70, till we're 80, till we're 90, whatever we, whatever we get. 100, who knows, who knows. Um, and I did feel, feel as well that God wants us to really set some of these things right in our, in our church, in our own hearts, in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own families. And, and in this church, we're, the, we're like the first... We're the first layer of stones aren't we we're the we're the foundations we're we're going to be the kind of ones underground that no one sees in the end but we're laying a foundation for this church and we get to lay that foundation well we get an opportunity to lay it well and paul says doesn't he that he can't build on something you can't build on something beyond the foundation that's been laid and that's that's what we're wanting to do and i think I think God does have growth for us. He does have more for us, but he's also looking for us to, to lay our lives down as that, as that foundation. And um, that's what this is about, really. That's what this is about. So, so we're, we're reading from, um, from Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 21 we start in. Um, depends what kind of Bible you've got, what the heading will say. Um, it, could say it could say murder or it could say anger depends depends what you read mine says anger but depends what you read um, and uh, i have to say this is this is um particularly if you think a bit about anger i haven't been planning on murdering anyone but if you think of if you think of it about anger it's actually this is so hard it's so hard it's just i'm i'm even like i'm even quaking at how to really teach on this this morning It, it is so hard because we can say we can say all the nice answers can't we we can say yeah Jesus is the answer grace is the answer holiness is the answer making the right choice is the answer we can say all of that but life is life and life is is hard it's hard and these things happen and the human the human heart is such the emotions are such our kind of sense of justice and right and wrong is such that these these things are nearly I'd say nearly impossible more or less impossible it is so hard so please whatever I whatever I managed to communicate this morning please it's not Wow, yeah this is this is how you need to do it and this is so easy and this just do what I say it's not it's not it's so so hard when we look at these verses It says um, in verse 21 you've heard it said to those of old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment whoever insults his brother will be liable to Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. <sighs> Lord, help us. Help us with these, help us with these challenging verses. Lord help us to, um, to grapple with them, help us to think clearly, illuminate our minds, give to us, give us understanding Lord give us conviction and courage as we think about these things I pray in Jesus name be our teacher, Amen. So this is about This is about keeping good relationships, particularly talking about speech. And it's talking about anger. What makes us angry? Why do we get angry? Why do you, if you think of the last time you were so angry, what was the cause of you being so angry? I don't know. It's going to be different for every person. It could be, for one, it's kind of humiliation or embarrassment, and you kind of then come come back with with anger. For someone else, it's kind of seeing, seeing an injustice or feeling that an injustice has been done against you even, and that you come to that with, with anger. For someone else, it's just feeling, feeling out of control, feeling like, yeah, I wanted, I wanted life to be like this. I wanted it to be these steps, these steps, these steps. That's how I had it. And then this barriers come, and I'm not following the steps that I feel in control with now, and I feel angry about it. I wasn't allowed to do the thing that I wanted to do. I wasn't, the door didn't open to me as I, as I wanted it to. For someone else it's, it's jealousy. Why does he get all the credit? Why does this happen for this one? Why does this not happen for me? Why have they got that? Why have I not got that? All sorts of reasons, all sorts of reasons. And there's two ways today I'd say that, there's two ways you could switch off right now to what I'm about to say for the next, half an hour or so, there's two ways you could switch off. The first way, and these two reasons, you're not allowed to switch off for these two reasons. You can switch off because I'm boring and stuff, but you can't switch off for these two reasons. The first one is that you say anger, well that's just my temperament. I'm just like that, I just like to say it how it is, that's just me. So therefore this doesn't apply to me, because I'm just kind of hardwired that way anyway, so I don't need to be in charge of that. That's the first. The second, the second is that you look at yourself, maybe you're a quieter individual, and, well, I don't really get angry. (laughs) Good one, Mark. I don't really get angry. There's all sorts of, we all get angry, right? Let's just say that, we all get angry. There's all sorts of ways we get angry. There's all sorts of ways we feel angry. There's all sorts of ways we show angry. It might be, you might not be someone that stands up and rants and raves, but you might be someone that kind of gives the, the cold shoulder and the silence. And you don't respond. Oh, well, I'm fine. Well, I'm fine. Yeah, but you're, you're, not, you're not fine. And you, don't, you, you kind of withhold, withhold relationship, withhold kind of engaging with someone to show you're angry. You haven't said, you haven't exploded, you haven't kicked the cat, but you've, you've shown that you're angry. Silence, eyes, a look, just a cutting, a cutting look that really takes someone down, a roll of the eyes, a passive aggressive comment. I'm quite good at those. Passive aggressive comment. You're kind of getting quite up to here and someone kind of Someone rattles you and you come with a passive aggressive comment. It's not really getting to the heart of what the problem is, but it's your way of just spilling something over and putting that person down. Revenge. You, didn't, you let me down about this thing, so I'm now not going to show up at your thing or whatever. You didn't invite me to this, I won't invite you to my thing whatever just revenge how can i how can i show it by my actions oh well you disappointed me on this but i'll still love you i'll still serve you no i'll kind of take steps to kind of to sabotage what you're doing or to slow down your progress not being angry or not kind of doing the wrong thing when you're angry is so hard unbelievably hard because we're kind of, we're just wired that way, aren't we? We're just wired to, you know, we've even got adrenaline that comes into our bloodstream when, we, when, when we're kind of thinking like we're facing some kind of challenge, we're facing some kind of risk. We even get that, we get that little mini shot of adrenaline, don't we? And start to, to shake, you start to not process, you're not thinking so clearly. And you're thinking, how can I win in this situation? Or how can I escape from this situation? This, that our whole kind of, even, in, even physiologically, we are hardwired to struggle with with anger it's not just something we can go yeah now i've now i've now i've heard the bible now if someone's told me i can turn it right down and uh, now i'll never i'll never be angry ever again we can't we can't But it's a high expectation. We, we, read, we read in this scripture just now, it's a high expectation to not be sick, you know, to not be sick in ourselves and angry. It's a high expectation that Jesus is making. There's um, Jesus is putting a high expectation for us to do something difficult in the, in the real world. That's, that's really what he's doing. I really like, I don't really have time to read them now, but I, I really like really good spy novels and, and spy films. And um, one of my, my, probably my favorite spy writer is, is John Le Carré who wrote the um, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. He's so knowledgeable about the, about the kind of um, espionage world that his stories come with so much detail so much um kind of truth to them even though even though they're actually just stories just because he's so knowledgeable but there's one there's one character called barley blair don't know why he wasn't so good at coming up with names he knew a lot about spies but in in this novel in this novel called the the russia house and what barley blair says which i think is the same like what jesus is saying here is that he's saying today today one must be like a hero today one must be be like a hero to behave like a merely decent human being so to be decent to be decent to treat people well to not go angry at everyone you actually need to be like a hero It's so hard. It's like a heroic act. It's not just easy for some and a bit, little bit harder for some. We're hardwired that it's almost impossible. So to do it, you need to be like a hero. We, is it, there's like a heroicness. Rather than a few heroes who can do this, it's like a heroicness that needs to come to everyone in the everyday. Jesus isn't getting us ready for some strange, unimaginable, unusual situation. He's saying, this is going to come at you, come at you, come at you. You need to be able to act like a hero when it comes to this. How How can we even do that? This sounds so harsh. This sounds so, like, behaviour-driven. You need to do this. You need to not do this. It sounds like a lot of rules. How can we even do that? And it doesn't maybe sit with our kind of reformed theology. It's all about grace. It's all about acceptance. It's all about the love of God. It doesn't need to be about behaviour. It doesn't need to be about doing the right thing. How, how How can Jesus lay all of these rules suddenly on us to try to to hit this impossible level he gives us he gives us a good clue he gives us a good clue because we can kind of think well you know if we like just in the same way in the same way if you read if you read what paul has to say And you kind of read it in quite a thin, superficial kind of way, you could wrongly think that Paul is all about everything being lax. Liberty, freedom, everything's lax. If you had a very thin, kind of shallow reading of what Paul has to say, a shallow reading of what Matthew has to say could make you think it's all about rules, it's all about morality, it's all about you making the right choices. A, 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 like a shallow reading of Matthew could make you think that. But what's Jesus doing? Is he heaping a load of rules onto us? Because he actually gives a clue before, just before we come to the Sermon on the Mount um, in, in Matthew chapter four. And it says that, um, just at at the end of Matthew, chapter 4, it says that Jesus went through all of Galilee, so all of the region, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. It's a great clue of what Jesus is saying here. It's an amazing clue. What he's saying with this Sermon on the Mount is, guys, with, this is all impossible, but with me, with me as the king of your life, with my kingdom advancing, with me on the throne of life, this is what we can look to expect. So it's not a kind of moral standard. He's saying, with me on the throne, this is how you can expect to live. Wow. The scribes were all about the morals, weren't they? They liked to be all about the morals. They liked to do it, but they also knew that it was tricky to maneuver through these issues so what they did do and what we read Jesus is addressing here it is written it says you say but what they did do was they would take they took they took God's heart for how to treat people and they reduced it down to basically as long as you don't intentionally set out to kill someone what do we, what's like, what's the minimum? What do we need to do to, to get away with this? What do we need to do to be okay? Well, okay, let's write it this way. Just don't kill anyone. As long as you don't actually kill anyone, as long as no one gets killed, then, then it's okay. So it's like, it's like some bad babysitter, isn't it? You know, just try and, try and like, just make sure nobody dies. <coughs> You know, if I get home and everyone's still alive, then that's good. That's, that's pretty much what they reduced it down to. Don't kill anyone. Jesus' pattern of, of speaking about these, in all of these next pieces of the Sermon on the Mount that we'll get into, is that he basically says, the Old Testament command commandment says this, don't kill anyone. The Old Testament says this. My new command, I say this. So you've heard it said this, but I say this. And then he comes with some startling examples of what that can look like. I say startling because they look quite hard. And it kind of sheds a light on what this would actually mean in your life so it says this but i now say this and this is what it's going to mean in your life to what i say these are not new rules but this is coming to the 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 living beating heart of god's grace to us the new the new kingdom with Jesus on the throne giving us a living, beating, alive heart. Not rules written on stones but written on hearts of flesh. This is, this is what he's talking about. With me on the throne, he's saying, sin, sinful attitudes, hatred, Anger will not be your master With me on the throne You can't do it on your own But with me on the throne sin will not be your master So what kind of what kind of anger is he talking about here? He uses this word anger. It's quite a broad term isn't it? What's he talking about? Is he talking about the kind of the driver who gets so frustrated and ends up shouting some kind of expletives at someone? Is, is, is he talking about that? You know the person who just gets out of control? Is that who he's talking about? Or is he talking about the person who um, just has this kind of silent grudge? Which is it? It's actually both. There's two words used. There's two words used, and when you translate those words, they mean, what? the first one means, the, the translation is like a flame, a flame of onto dry straw. Yeah. It comes up, and then it's gone. Is he talking about that, yes? But he's also talking about the other one, which translates something like nursing something, nursing something to keep it alive. Why is it both? He's kind of saying that the first one, the flame of straw actually occurs because you've nursed it to keep it alive. So the one he's really speaking about is not how high your temper gets when you lose your temper. He's talking about what's the state of your heart that means that this straw takes light? What's the state of your whole perspective that means that this can happen? Even if it's just for a few moments. He's warning mostly about an ongoing grudge, an ongoing feeding of an angry perspective that you feed and you feed and you keep it going, that then you hit these moments of frustration because you've, set, you've fed this thing against someone, you've fed this grudge against someone, and then they just do that thing and boom. That's what he's talking about, an ongoing, actively carried, unchecked, indulgent, angry perspective. He's saying this is, like, destructively rotten. This kind of anger, this kind of feeding this anger, it's just rotten, it's just rotten, and eventually it comes out. There's two ways, he gives two examples of how it comes out towards other people. We, we read that in the passage. There's two examples. Both, to Jesus, both are grievous sins. Okay, he's harsh, isn't he? He's talking about the hell of fire. He's talking about being judged before the council. Both are grievous sins. Let's not try and dress it up. Jesus hates what, what this is about. Jesus hates. And if you persist in doing this, Jesus hates it doesn't mean there's no forgiveness doesn't mean there's no scope to change but if you persist in indulging in this Jesus hates it he's distraught the first one the first one it says about that you might how you might relate to another individual is to say you fool you fool So you say of this person, or you say to this person, you fool, you fool. It means that really what I'm saying is, you just haven't got the mental capacity to do the right thing here. The reason you're irritating me so much is because you're a fool. You're an idiot. You're a jerk. That's that's what he's saying, that if you respond to someone, you fool, I, I, can, I can see this, I can see what's happening here. I can see this perspective. I'm, I'm intelligent, I'm intellectual. You're a bit of an idiot. Why are you acting like this, you idiot? That's, that's what he's saying. He's saying it's a, it's a destructive abuse of someone. It's a destructive criticism of someone. We might not have uttered exactly that, but we've probably thought, oh, why is that person being such a div? (laughs) (laughs) And we kind of like, we kind of laugh about it. Oh, you again. Why do you do this? we laugh about it, and we have things, don't we, like these rhymes. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Put your hand up if you've been hurt by a name. Everyone. For the recording. Everyone has put their hand up. <laughs> you fool I can't believe you did that I can't believe you would think like that do you not know anything the second one which I think is worse I think it doesn't say it's worse but I (laughs) I think it's worse is um, depending on your Depending on your um, translation of the Bible, it may say this word, it may not actually include this word, but it's included in the original. It says, Raka. If you say to your brother, Raka, it means that you're questioning, not their intelligence, not their ability, but you're in questioning their moral inner heart. You're questioning their morality. You're kind of me saying, you're saying to you, your heart is wrong. You are, you're just, you're just mean, you're just rotten. You're not just an idiot, but there's something vile, there's something corrupt, there's something disgusting about what's going on in your heart. I judge you're saying I judge I look at your heart and I judge that there is something badly wrong with you the choices you're making it just speaks of this lack of goodness in you it's selfish it's sick it's disgusting your heart is wrong I judge that your heart is wrong the way you behave because this person doesn't do this or does do, does do this. This means you must be pretty mean. You must be pretty sick in the, in the heart. You must have no kind of sense of right or wrong. You're just abusing people, you're just stepping on people because there's something not right inside of you. Has anyone, has anyone ever had that? You don't have to put your hand up this time, but has anyone ever had that kind of thought about someone? Maybe someone's done something surprisingly strange or surprisingly bad, and the conclusion you've come to is that this person's maybe just kind of bad on the inside. that we analyze and come to that conclusion, passing judgment. But the Bible says, doesn't it, elsewhere, that with the, with the way, with the measure that you judge, you will be judged. With the way that you withhold forgiveness, forgiveness will be withheld from you. It says it. It says it. I think as a general rule of thumb, there are, some, there are some bad people in the world, but as a general rule of thumb to everyone, to me, stood here. I say it of myself. I'm not as, I'm not as good as you think I am. And I'm not as bad as you think I am if you think I'm really good you're wrong if you think I'm really awful you're wrong I'm somewhere in between when I get it wrong sin comes into my life sin sin comes into our thinking sin can come into our motivation we can get things wrong We could take advantage of someone for sinful reasons. We can do all sorts. We can judge someone for sinful reasons. We can be envious of someone for sinful reasons. Sin comes into a lot of our choices. But I'm probably not as awful as you think I am. probably when someone lets you down, probably the thing to jump to is not that they're morally bankrupt. The first one may be a bit of an idiot sometimes. Jesus is even saying, don't say that. But to jump to this person has just got no substance. It's probably not the first one to jump to. I say probably, it's definitely not the first one to jump to. To go round, to go round with our glasses saying that every mistake that anyone does every forgetful, you know, forget me for this or whatever is because they're just morally evil is is a big mistake, Jesus is saying. And I say it, it it makes sense, doesn't it? It's not, Jesus isn't saying these words, like rules about the words like, ooh, am I allowed to say a swear word or not? And what's, you know, all of that. He's just saying, don't, don't view other people. If you've used the word idiot before, don't feel condemned. But he's just saying that kind of heart, questioning someone's competency, questioning someone's heart, are the two ways that he's addressing here. Why, is he, why does he question those? Just because it's destructively wrong, that's all. It's destructively wrong, it doesn't build anything up, it tears down, that's why. He's building, he's building his church. He's building his community. He's wanting the church to be, to go out, to be the hope of the world. And he's saying, you can, you can spend your 80 years tearing this down. Or you can spend your 80 years building this up. Jesus, you'll notice in other places in Scripture, he's he's not one that never kind of gets like, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? I mean, Peter, we've talked about before, he's a great example. He was, we kind of say, oh, he was strong. Yeah, he was bold, all of that. But we've said it before, he would have been unbearable to be around. Really, really unbearable. Jesus showed, come on, Peter, the way you're being right now is not, I don't agree with. He, he would have been unbearable. He says, Jesus talks, about, Jesus talks about going to the cross, doesn't he? He talks about that, you know, his whole, his whole destiny, his whole purpose to, to, to redeem humanity is all hinged on this moment of going to the cross. He's kind of, you know, he's the one that's going to have to do it. He's the one that's, this is on his shoulders. He shares about it. Peter's like, no, no, you're not, you're not going to the cross. It's like, yeah, I am, I am. This is what I need to do. No, 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 no. We won't let that happen. What does Jesus say? He gets quite frustrated, doesn't he? He doesn't call him an idiot, but he gets frustrated. In in that example we clearly see that Jesus is not saying that we have to just be these kind of, you know, angels floating around and never ever bring a challenge, never ever kind of bring a word of correction to anyone. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. When he challenges Peter, he challenges him strongly but the relationship is good. The relationship goes on, the relationship continues. His heart towards Peter is good. Even though he strongly opposes what Peter has just said, his heart towards him is good. And this is, this is the pathway for Christian community. Dealing with one another Bearing with one another. Showing quite a high level of tolerance for one another. Even though none of us is that special, none of us is that amazing. But a high level of tolerance for one another. Bringing correction, yes. Bringing challenge. Being honest and transparent, yes. Yes. But this high level of regard for one another is the key for how he wants to build Christian community. Thinking the best, instead of this, well, you know, going down this wrong thought. Oh, well, Peter's just misunderstood, hasn't he? He's misunderstood really what it's all about. He thinks it's all great with Jesus. Jesus is brilliant. He'll never be defeated, all of that. It's kind of half true. He's half true, but Jesus, the wrong way would have been for Jesus to step back, question Peter's intellect, question his heart. Oh, well, Peter, you just don't want me to go to the cross because you want to be the one on the cross. (laughs) You know, you want to be the one that's going to save humanity. You're just trying to stop me because you're actually, Peter, you're just jealous of me. You just don't want me to do well, do you? Just when I start to kind of do a bit well, then you stop me. We could go down this whole rabbit warren of moral reasons why Peter responded the way he did. And I'm, I'm joking, of course, but that, that's an example of Jesus is like, yeah, you just don't, you're just kind of on the wrong path with this. You're just not quite getting it and you're gonna get it one day. You're gonna see how it all works. Just, you know, just stay with me and you're gonna see how it works. That's really his response. He doesn't question his morality. He doesn't say this is because you're this, that, and the other. Just, he's in it for the long haul. And he says, look, we'll see. We'll see it in the future. We'll figure it out. You don't know, he says elsewhere, doesn't he? You don't know now. You don't know now, but one day you will know. He, he leaves it at that. His regard for Peter is high. He gives two, Jesus gives two um, approaches to deal with this kind of challenge. When we have a friction with someone, which we do do, don't we, when we have a friction with someone. The first one is, don't just go about your religious business and leave this thing undealt with. That's the first one. Doesn't he say about, don't just go and present your gift at the altar and forget that you've got an issue. Just leave that, leave that and go and get it sorted. That's what he's saying. We don't really like to do that. I, I don't like confrontation I don't like needing to do this so I can think of all sorts of reasons why I'm too busy and all oh, my phone batteries run out now so I can't phone them up and blah 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 <laughs> just just sort it out don't go on as this kind of fraud member of the church doing all your stuff, if we're, if we're here this morning, singing, praising, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, but we've got this issue. No, no, you need to leave that. All the singing, everything is nothing to God. The best, the best worship you could do for God is to take him at his word and to sort this out with your brother or sister. That's the best worship you could do, not singing. Sure, he loves singing, but the best, most kind of costly, most heart-wrenching worship you can give is to go and get this sorted out. It says, doesn't it, in 1 John 4, if anyone says, I love God, but he hates his brother, then it says he's a liar. You can't love God if you actively grudge, you know, stir a hatred for your brother. Not just you're a bit cheesed off with someone, but you actively feed into this grudge. Then, can you really be someone who's loving God? You know, oh, things are, things are great with the Lord. Things are great with the Lord, but they're not really great with my Christian brothers and sisters, then you'd have to suggest, actually, mate, things aren't great with the Lord. God's invisible. And what he's saying, what he's saying with this, like... um, Because it says elsewhere, doesn't it, if you can't love your brother who's seen, how can you love God who's unseen? God's unseen. If you can't love someone who's right in front of you, then how can you even imagine loving someone who you can't even see? It's crazy, isn't it? It means facing stuff. It really, really means facing stuff. And I would like us to be a community that can face stuff. Even though I don't really like doing it much myself. But I'd like that to be our culture. The second one, he says, is come to terms quickly, isn't it? It's kind of the same in a way. Come to terms quickly, deal with it quickly again. He's saying it only gets worse. Suddenly, suddenly you're on the way to court with someone, in this example. It's just getting worse, isn't it? By the end of the day, you could be in prison. Or you could deal with it on the way. What's the prison? It's like, it's a place of bitterness, isn't it? It's a place of anguish, suffering, bitterness. You could lock yourself straight into prison not literal prison, but your heart straight into prison, that could take years to get out. And it says, doesn't it, if you, take, if you take it that far so that the relationship is fractured and it's impossible, you'll pay that back for years, that's what he says. You'll pay for that for years. A stubbornness, that means you never get it solved, you'll pay for that for years. It's grim. He's saying if you can, if you can do it today, if you can do it today, do it today. There's all sorts of ways we can do it now, isn't there? With messages and phone calls and you could Skype someone. You could go and visit them. You could, there's all sorts you could do. If you can do it today, do it today. That's really what he's saying. How's your, I think a great question, how's your heart at home? How's your heart at home? How do you speak about others at home? When we're together, praise the Lord, Jesus is great at home. Oh, he's such an idiot. Husbands and wives, you can ask each other about that, challenge each other about that. You know, how, how are you at home? What's the car journey home like? What's the train ride home like? After praising the Lord and all of that. Oh, that person, oh. Maybe not, maybe not, but it's a good, it's a good question. There's all sorts of ways, as we said at the start, there's all sorts of ways we can show angry, blowing up, losing it, kicking the cat, quietly simmering, a cutting glance, shutting someone out, gossiping to others, taking it to someone else. Do you know what that person said? I can't believe it. I'm so shocked. I need to tell you. Telling it to someone else when you could go and tell it to them. I've done all of these, by the way. I haven't got a cat, but... Uh, (laughs) how do we how do we overcome it to finish how do we overcome it well like any sin like any sin How do we overcome it? We bring it to the cross, don't we? We bring it to the cross. It's not mind over matter. We bring it to the cross. This dark dark power to do these things and say these things that we know is wrong, this power that once was fully like our boss, we bring it to the cross. It's been defeated right at the cross. We bring it to the cross. We know it's been defeated. We know that sin has been judged. We know it's been judged for the final time on the cross. Jesus was judged in our place, wasn't he? We can bring our sin to the cross and it's judged on Jesus. It's been destroyed sin has no longer has authority to rule our minds to rule our bodies to rule our decisions it does not have authority we can bring it to the cross even though we think that way sometimes but we can bring it to the cross and we can dethrone that king of sin and say you're off the throne now things i used to do things i used to think think appetites i used to have they used to sit on the throne You're off the throne, there's a new king. There's a new king on the throne. And he he says, sin will not be your master. Sin will not be in charge of your life. By the blood of Jesus, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can recognize God reigns in my life. God is restoring everything. God has restored, lifted me up out of a muddy cesspool of sin and sickness up. My feet are on a rock. My feet are on the truth. I'm, I'm no longer bossed by sin. We won't overcome anger by ducking out, saying, oh, that's just my temperament. I just like to say it how it is. No, no. We need to say when we when we've got that when we've got that going on inside of us we need to be able to just say even just to say out loud this is not this is not like Jesus if Jesus was there would I be doing it no this is not like Jesus this needs to stop whatever causes my anger Jesus, you're with me, I'm going to face it head on with you. We're going to face this head on. We're going to face the pain. We're going to face the sadness. We're going to face the root of this anger together because you're you're now the boss. You're now the king. If you've been hurt in the past, if someone said something awful to you in the past or treated you so harshly in the past, then that pain that pain can cause defensiveness and anger that time that you were overlooked that time that you were badly spoken about that pain can be a source of anger and you have to you have to go back there and sort it out you have to it's terrifying because it means you're going back into all the pain you're going back into all the mess I don't want to go back, I want to move forwards. You have to go back there. You have to lament what was what was lost. Jesus is so faithful. He will bring healing to you. You can talk about it with a friend. You can receive prayer about it. Jesus can set you free. But you have to go, you have to go back there. If it's if the root of your anger is, like, self, self-importance, I demanded that it would go this way, and I would be doing this by now, and it hasn't worked out. I'm out of, I feel out of control. I feel this hasn't gone according to what I thought I was entitled to. Then the Gospel comes. I'm in His hands. My life is in His hands. I belong to Him. He can do with me what he wants to do with me. I don't need to resist and be angry about opportunity that I thought I deserved. He can... I'm in his hands now. If you feel others have let you down, maybe they have. Maybe they have. Could be that they have, could also be your perception. Could be that you're saying you're an idiot or you're morally bankrupt. You've let me down. Or it could be that they're just a bit clumsy with something they've done or haven't done. If, some, if you feel someone's let you down, go and, go and make it right. Go and ask them. Go and ask them. Go and ask also for forgiveness. I was so troubled by what you said. I was so disappointed or so hurt with what you said. I think I had the wrong perspective on who you are. I think I thought your heart was wrong. Maybe you were a bit clumsy, maybe you didn't know that this was a sensitive thing for me, but I think I had you all wrong. If you've, last one, last one, if you've been brought up as an angry person everything in the household was angry, everything was aggression, everything was setting people straight, if you've been brought up as an angry person, a critical person, it's not all your fault, you've been brought up that way. Jesus says you're a new creation. You're a new creation it's the truth it's the truth i was brought up this way that was my old inheritance i'm now a son or a daughter of the living god i'm a new creation my old ways my old ways of thinking they're gone they're gone i'm part of this new kingdom i belong to jesus i inherit everything that's good about jesus i inherit everything that jesus is willing us towards today. I inherit all of that. That's my new inheritance. Let's, um, let's pray. Let's stand. And um, we'd like to invite, if someone feels that, yeah, I just, something you said there, I just really want to respond, Then, then let's not lose the chance to do that. We'll lovingly We'll lovingly pray for you, we'll lovingly minister to you, we'll lovingly serve you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.